following podcast contains language and scenes that may be upsetting to some listeners. Listening discretion is advised. Miss Holmes, a novella by John Noonan. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Miss Holmes, a podcast by me, John Noonan. Each week I'll be reading a chapter from my novella, Miss Holmes, pouring it into your ears like the lucky, lucky people you are. So, to recap, John Watson's friend SH has returned after a three-year absence, claimed to have been an Ibiza rep, a sudden phone call later, and John finds himself being whisked off to Wivenshaw to meet her brother. Once there, John finds out that SH's brother, Michael, is more than he appears, and SH has been under his wing for the last three years. Refusing to lose his friend one more time, John agrees to assist SH on a new case given to her by Michael, and it all revolves around a cardboard box. Chapter 4 Fucking Ears Right, said SH, with more calm than one should really have in these situations. When did these arrive? You're talking like this is an Amazon delivery, I said. John, mate, I'm going to need to be quiet, yeah? They arrived this morning, Michael said, taking control of the conversation. Wrapped in paper and string of all things, SH took the wrapping that Michael handed to her and inspected it. Presuming she took nothing from it, she threw it into her bag. Makes sense, she finally said. Why would you risk having your parcel tracked? Who's the S. Cushing that's mentioned on the label? She is my, shall we say, tenant here, Michael responded. Is this a brothel? I gasped. Why does his mind keep hurtling towards these conclusions? Michael aimed the question at SH. He's a writer. That's what they do. Michael sighed and shifted his weight once more. As my cheeks went a deep crimson, he patiently explained that he was not, as I assumed, a pimp. S. Cushing was in fact Susan Cushing, a middle-aged woman who lived in the very house we stood in. One of the many hats I wear is that of landlord, Michael explained. Susan received this parcel this morning and immediately called me as her landlord. Why didn't she just call the police? I asked. Michael threw a hand in the direction of the large pile of DVD players and personal CD players in the corner of the room that I had failed to notice. Evidently, they were stolen. Miss Cushing makes a rather good tenant insofar as she knows that calling the police could lead to certain consequences for us all, Michael explained. One of my associates, James, is supposed to be coming around here at some point this week to pick those up. During this conversation, SH had begun to prod the ears of a buyer as to ascertain the legitimacy of their existence. Using the tip of her pen, she balanced one ear by its helix, taking a long look at the serrated edges on the side. Right. Well, this got interesting, she smiled, wiggling the ear right in front of my face. More interesting than finding ears in a box, I remarked, slapping the offending item away from me. SH put the ear back in its makeshift home next to its partner and turned to me. First off, I'm sure Michael doesn't need to tell me that this is a warning. More than a warning, this is a threat. Noting Michael's nod of agreement, she carried on. Michael gets threats all the time, but not to this magnitude. Aside from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre in the box, what's interesting, John, is that these aren't identical. They belong to two different people. She whirled around to Michael and pointed at him. Who have you pissed off? She asked accusingly. Who have you pissed off enough to warrant this? No one, Michael responded, holding up his hands in mock defence. And if anyone were to do this to me, there would be repercussions. No, dear sister, as I have said, this parcel wasn't addressed for me. It was to my tenant. I wanted to speak to her. Is she here? Michael called out into the kitchen, and a moment later... Susan Cushing entered the room, her eyes red from crying, and a Marlborough hanging loosely from her mouth. In her hand, she carried an early morning glass of wine. Michael introduced her to the room. 
I don't know nothing. My life has been a shambles this year. She immediately began without prompting. Michael was very kind to take me in. He's a She's been a bloody curse, she has. I've done nothing to no one to deserve this kind of thing. I'm, I'm sure you haven't, I said, sitting next to her to hold her hand. What are you doing? She said, moving her hand away. I, I thought you needed comforting, I mumbled. Tutting, S.H. sidled up next to Susan and stared intently at the side of her head. Who's a bloody curse? She asked, prodding Susan's ear once again with her finger. My sister Sarah. She's been, she was living here with me till about a month ago. Pain in the arse she was, always has been. Left home at 16 and only ever looks back to see if someone will catch her when she falls. You mean you and your other sister? S.H. asked. How do you know about Tracy? I noticed the pictures above your couch, showing three women who look roughly the same and appear to be enjoying themselves. I knew they had to be related somehow, and you've just given me reason to think sisters. Yeah, well, Sarah's been a bloody fan of mine and Tracy's side for years. Only reason why she turned up at mine was because Tracy kicked her out of hers. Didn't get along with new boyfriend or something, I don't know. I can't imagine Sarah gets along with anyone. There's only one photo of the three of you together. I take it you don't get along ordinarily? We're not the closest sisters in the world. That's no crime, Susan said defensively. We contact each other when we need to. Like when Sarah needs a bleeding roof to sleep under, then we'll help each other out. And what makes you think she had anything to do with this? I asked, pointing at the ears. Oh, I don't know. She just brings trouble with her wherever she goes. And where is Sarah now? SH asked. Probably at the Northumberland Arms, a pub just down the road. Right, reckon I need a chat with her as well. Can you let me know if your sister Tracy gets in contact? I want a word with her too. I suppose, Susan shrugged noncommittedly. With some confidence, SH turned to Michael and promised him that she would have an idea of what was going on by the end of the day. But you've got to promise me that we'll call the police, she said. You don't have to be here, just get rid of that stuff. Once James is here, I will consider it, Michael smiled. Was it a smile? SH suggested that the ears be kept in the freezer for preservation, and whilst Michael boxing hand was followed into the kitchen by a protesting Susan Cushing, we left the house in search of Sarah Cushing. Who do the ears belong to? Has John bitten off more than he can chew? And can SH really trust him to stick through this? Find out in the next episode of Miss Holmes. The song you heard at the beginning and end of this podcast is Manchester, South Dakota by Happiness in Airplanes. If you liked what you heard today and want to skip ahead in the tale, you can do by buying a copy of the ebook, Miss Holmes, from Amazon, Smashwords, or iTunes. If you'd like to email me, you can do so at missholmesmcr at gmail.com. Tell me what you think of the podcast, what your favourite Sherlock Holmes pastiche is, and maybe just share some recipes. They're always nice. You can also follow me on Twitter at MissHolmesMCR. Thanks for listening. I hope we can do this again sometime. And remember, you're all beautiful.